0: Hey, everybody. Today, Rado runs through his top 10 games from AEG, sponsored by AEG. And before I get to the list, I, first of all, have to declare I am so in love with Alderac Entertainment. I mean, a few years ago, they put out a press release talking about how they were going to have a shift in their overall publishing philosophy, and they were going to... Pivot from a quantity to quality, you know, fewer games, higher quality. And ever since then, they have been on fire. It has pretty much gotten to the point where they are one of my favorite publishers. And whatever it is they're going to put out, I have a high degree of confidence that uh, it's going to be something Jen and I really enjoy and it's very likely it will end up staying on our shelves, even though I'm constantly crunched for space. And, you know, getting down to just my favorite 10 was tough, because I own way more than 10 of their titles. But, uh, you know, the the ones I chose here, I think there's such a wide variety of experiences. And, uh, you know, uh, most of them kind of you know, mid, mid-weight, really wonderful, crunchy Euro-type stuff. Uh, there's uh, one really heavy one in there as well some lighter stuff and uh, yeah i mean all i can say is whatever you're doing alderac agg Keep doing it. Whatever your thought process is, your vetting process, you seem to be on a tear because I have just been very, very impressed by all of the stuff you've been putting out for the last five years or so. So, without any further ado, let's get going. Starting with my number 10 on the list, The Captain is Dead. Now, this is actually a game that was originally published on Game Crafter, uh, which means it was basically a a little independent self-published title. And the folks at AEG took a look at it and thought yeah, there's something special here. Let's actually bring it out to the wider market. And I'm so happy they did because... I am a huge Star Trek fan, and this is such a loving homage to Star Trek. A classic, although it's really kind of, I think, leans a little bit more next-gen. But at its heart, this is a cooperative game, and it feels like an episode of Trek. An episode of Trek where aliens have boarded the ship, and they are basically spreading throughout, and the crew is having to use all their special powers to stay one step ahead of the aliens, uh, keep all the systems online. There's a space battle going on at the Same time that there's an invasion uh, that we're trying to fight them off in the corridors. And what really makes this special, because this game really owes a lot to the pandemic school of cooperation, you know, there's basically all these fires all over the place that we're trying to fight while still making forward progress on, you know, completing core objectives. What makes this one special is, well, really, it's the sensors. Our starship has sensors, and as long as our sensors are online, we can actually see. If I recall correctly, what the next three bad, terrible events are going to be, because every round a new event card comes up that's just going to be really horrible. But because we have our sensors online, we can see into the future, and we can start making really informed decisions about where we should focus our attention. You know, repairing other systems. You know, uh, you know, fighting off the invaders. Uh, you know, whatever. It might be. And uh, yeah, I mean, this game does so much. All the tropes are there. I mean, it's awesome having the, the transporters online, so you can just beam from one area to another. Uh, all of the characters, I mean, there's a Guinan in here. Uh, you know, there's uh, one of the cards is Riker's beard. Oh, no, they don't call it that. I think they just call it the beard. So there's lots of knowing in-jokes for Star Trek fans, but all that aside, even if you don't care about Star Trek, you like cooperative games, this one works so well. And it's a cut above most of the other cooperative games out there because as long as you can keep your sensors online, you have that opportunity to do long-term planning uh, in a a way that most games don't allow for. So I'm really impressed by it. Again, I am a Star Trek fan, so of course I am, but it's very, very cool. Plus, the standees are awesome. They're these little see-through standees. haven't really seen many other games do it. I think more games should. It's got a great presentation, really fun. My number 10 the captain is dead. Okay, then we move on to my number 9, Mystic Veil. Vale. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is their biggest hit to date. Uh, they've put out, gosh, I feel like a half a dozen different expansions for it now. And uh, you know, the game just keeps evolving and advancing. At its heart, it's a push-your-luck deck-builder game because on your turn, you've got a deck of cards, you draw more and more cards, you're hoping not to bust if you draw too many, but the more cards you draw, the more resources you'll get to be able to buy new cards to add them to your deck. But what makes Mystic Veil special is you don't just put new cards in your deck. Instead, you get card fragments that you add to existing cards. It's an absolutely brilliant system where every card is sleeved, and these new transparent cards, you can slot them in so that, oh, I already have a card that has a a very cool power on the bottom. Now I can buy a card that will slot into the middle, so this card does double power now. And as the game goes on, and you upgrade more and more of your cards, uh, it's, I mean, you're you're so compelled to push your luck harder and harder because you want to get to those really big cards to have really big super turns it's very very sharp like I said it's a deck builder except your deck never it's, it's more of a deck enhancer you start with the same deck you end with it's just what did you do to those cards to upgrade them it's incredibly cool unlike anything else out there and uh, it's gorgeous Absolutely gobsmackingly beautiful. All the art for this game, and just a very fun, fast-playing, compelling game with a really fun push-your-luck element. But, again, the card crafting, where you snap cards together and make new combos on the cards themselves. I mean, this is such a huge step up from most uh, deck-building games because you're always worried, oh, I got these two cards. Will they ever show up in the same hand? Here, you put the same cards, powers you want to combo, on the same card. So smart, very impressive, my number nine Mystic Veil. Then we go on to number 8, Cascadia. And this, boy, howdy, this game blew up this year. It's got to be one of their biggest hits for uh, 2021, because it seems like everybody's playing this game. Everybody's talking about it, and with good reason. It's another really stellarly, uh, wonderfully produced game. And it's a uh, tile drafting and tile laying game where we are trying to match tiles up to make beautiful uh, Cascadia region, You know, basically the Pacific Northwest and the Canadian region. But the trick is, this is entwined drafting, which is fast becoming a very, very hot new form of gameplay. And Cascadia, I think, is really kind of the zenith for a lot of people of this style of gameplay. The notion is, on my turn, there's uh, four tiles I can choose from. I really want to get a tile that extends my swamp or my forest or whatever, or my coastline. But if I take a given tile, I also have to take an animal that has been randomly associated with that tile. And inevitably, I I desperately want the environment, I do not want the animal. Or I want the animal and I don't want the environment. And dealing with that tough, tough decision of trying to make you know the perfect habitats for all these animals while trying to score a ton of variable setup cards that create different scoring opportunities, this game has so much replayability. It's so incredibly easy to teach. Very, very captivating. And like I said, hugely popular. Uh, everybody seems to be playing it this year. And I'm so happy that AEG was able to produce and distribute the game after publisher Flatout developed it and did an amazing job putting it out on Kickstarter. Flatout and AEG, that is a phenomenal partnership that we're not done talking about today. So anyway, everybody loves Cascadia. And with good reason. I am super duper impressed by it. It is my number 8, Cascadia. Then we move on to number seven, The Edge of Darkness. And now, here's an interesting thing. This game is, I guess you could kind of consider it the spiritual sequel of Mystic Veil. uh, Because it takes that same card crafting system, where each card can have one, two, or three things bolted onto it, so cards become more and more powerful as the game goes on, but takes it out of Mystic Veil's simple, lightweight, fast-playing, push-your-luck competitive game, and turns it into an epic... Fantasy adventure kingdom building game because I mean, this, I mean, the box for this game is huge. And, um, you know, every round you are trying to add more cards or more card. Uh, slivers to the main cards to try to make combos. But the interesting thing about this, so at its heart, it's still a deck builder, but in this game, even though you're competing with your opponent, everybody shares the same deck of cards. So when a new bunch of cards come out, uh, you know, if they're my cards, great. If they're your cards, well, I could make use of them too, and you'll get a little something for the trouble. And you're like, no, I really want to use that on mind. Oh, but I'm getting this other passive benefit that will be, I mean, in the long run. So, I mean, it already had the brilliant card crafting system, but then it does of this other cool stuff, like a, a deck builder with a shared deck. Also it has this very, very cool cube tower where there are monsters that are attacking the city, but they are slowly building up over time. And you drop your colored cubes into the tower and they split up amongst three buckets. And if any bucket fills up with too many of your cubes, they're coming for you. And you know, that's always, there's an extra level of tension because, I just need one more round, please! I know I have to drop! Oh, oh, they went into the other bucket. Whew, I've got some time. Or you know, maybe, heck, maybe even you're going to get attacked Uh, as a result of the stuff I've done. It's a brilliant game. Big, huge game. A long game. A heavy game. A very crunchy game. Driven by this really interesting combination of card crafting and a communal deck in a deck builder with wonderful presentation. Just absolutely phenomenal. Number seven, Edge of Darkness. Okay. then we go on to number six, Santa Monica. Oh, I love this game. Uh, it's 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 a simple... Card drafting and card or tile laying game where we are trying to make the best version of the Santa Monica Pier we can. We, uh, every round... There are four cards available to us. We're going to pick one of them. We are either going to add it to our street side or our beach side. And over the course of the game, we are building up basically these two rows, trying to get cards that combo really well with each other. Because some cards bring tourists that have certain needs. Other cards will fulfill the needs those tourists have. But the tricky thing is, when we bring these cards in, and the tourists are here, how do we get them to move from one side of the boardwalk to the other, where we actually need to do? The trick to this game is every round you have four cards to choose from, and you can see the next four cards that once you take a given card, a new one will slide down. So you can make some long-term planning as well. But when you grab one of those cards, if there is the, uh, what is it, the food truck in front of it, you get sand dollars, which are the main currency of the game. If you grab the card that has this little uh, moving person around, you get to move your people around. So it is often the case, kind of like Cascadia, where that's the perfect card for me. I desperately want that card. But I have to take one of these other cards over here because they've got the temporary bonus, and that bonus is going to move on. If I don't get these people moved from one side of the boardwalk to the other, I'm never going to score. And, and, and so there's an incredible amount of tension. Surprising amount. And a lot of variety, too. Every time you set the game up, it's got a, a whole selection of bonus objective cards you can do. Everybody gets a special starting tile that gives them unique circumstances and scoring opportunities as well. It's It's just... Fun. Uh, You know, I grew up in Central California. I spent a lot of time in my childhood on boardwalks like these. So I'll admit, maybe I have a little bit of a, uh, what do you call it, nostalgia factor for this game. But all of that aside, you know, the set collection elements, the comboing of trying to get the right cards in the right place, but the tension of I know the card i want i can see it's coming are you going to take that other card to get my card in place and will the food truck be there when i want to grab it or should i wait and hope i get it later really a surprising amount to think about every turn when all you're doing is grabbing a card and just laying it into your boardwalk in my number six santa monica okay then if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link Let's talk about number five, Truffle Shuffle. Oh, wow. This game, I mean, all of these games have surprised me. I mean, I, I, I go in expecting one thing, and I end up getting so much more. Truffle Shuffle, honestly... This was one of the ones where like, I don't know, AEG. Maybe, I mean, when I looked at the game, it's totally abstract. It's just a, it kind of borrows the old solitaire pyramid style game. There's a bunch of rows of these truffles. And you're just trying to grab truffles and do a bunch of set collection. You're kind of creating poker hand type things in your hands. And I thought, well, okay, that's going to be fine. But is it really going to be that big a deal? I mean, you've got stuff like Seven Wonders Duel out there that do it so much better. Here's the deal. Truffle Shuffle beats all the other games that do this kind of pyramid draft. The pyramid draft, of course, is interesting implicitly because every time I take a card, I am potentially exposing a new card that you desperately want. And so I don't want to take that card I desperately want because you want the other card I'm going to reveal even more. Pyramid drafting is implicitly cool, but what really sets Truffle Shuffle apart is this, again, kind of push-your-luck element because as we take more and more cards and we work our way to the top of the pyramid, when the pyramid empties out, we will have a mid-game scoring section. Then we create a new pyramid and we, um, you know, draft the second pyramid. When we hit that mid-game scoring, if I have not been able to, um, you know, clear everything out because I keep on trying to grab cards, like I'm going for a particular set. If I don't clear everything out, I will get punished significantly. And I will lose a lot of progress. And so I'm just desperate trying to get that one last card. Of course, half the cards are face down. You don't know what's going to be there. Do you push your luck? Do you go for quick um, set collection scoring right now? Or do you try to wait for the really big one, risking it all and losing more progress than you made? This one little twist that happens halfway through the game uh, and then sets you up for the second half is so brilliant. I love it so much. Granted, I love chocolate truffles, too. And so, I mean, it is kind of mouthwatering to imagine you're eating all of these cards instead of just playing with them. But it's such a sharp, clever game. Really very easy to explain to people, too. I mean, this could probably be a good gateway-style game, and yet it is so rich. So many just nail-biting decisions round after round in my number five, Truffle Shuffle. Then we go on to number four, Cubitos. Oh my goodness! Now, Cubitos is from designer John D. Claire, as was Mystic Vale, as was Edge of Darkness. Uh, John D. Claire and um, you know Alderac Entertainment. Oh, those are two great tastes that taste great together. And I believe, if I recall correctly, this is my highest ranked of the John D. Clare AEG games. And that's really saying something, because this is at its heart a racing game. We're in some kind of cute, cartoony planet where all the creatures are weird cube-like critters. And all we're doing is just trying to race across the finish line. And whoever gets across the finish line first wins. It is very rare that Jen and I find that kind of gameplay compelling. But here's what Cubitos does that really sets itself aside from almost every other race game out there. One, you have 50 billion dice that you're rolling. Um, uh, you know, As I said earlier, uh, Mystic Veil vale and uh, Edge of Darkness were really interesting. Uh, the, the takes on a deck-building game. This is kind of a dice pool building game, because over the course of the game, you are buying, during the race, more and more dice, and each time you play, you're going to set the board up so that each type of die has a unique special power. Every time you play, it's going to feel very different, depending on if the uh, the, if the white dice are the fat cat, or if they're something else. So you get all these interesting combinations. Every time you play, you're going to have different strategies for ways to combo together. But anyway, as you buy more and more dice, and you draw them from your bag, and you, and you, you put them into play, when a round starts, you roll. And you, you, you collect as many successes as you get off of those, and the blanks will there do nothing for you. And if you want, you can reroll and try to get a few more successes. And you're like, okay, that's good, that's good. Oh, but I've still got five or six more dice. Should I re-roll again? Surely at least one or two of them will give me another success. And you can keep pushing your luck over and over again. And the thing is, if you ever roll and you bust and you get nothing out of any of them, all of the progress you made, all of the dice that you saved that were going to be able to combo so well together, just um, go into, they're just gone. Boom, boom, boom. And there's a consolation prize. The audience, which is represented by this cute little side track, tries to cheer you up. Yay! Keep going! And you move your way further up the audience uh, track, which can lead to actually some very, very powerful bonuses as well. There are times when you don't mind busting at all because you care. I'm not going to get much movement out of this particular group of dice I've got in my hand. I'll probably do better if I bust and move further along on the audience track. Anyway, the, the game itself comes with, I think, I four different tracks. They're all full of all kinds of cool, crazy shortcuts and special effects and all of that. Uh, this is also a racing game that is not full of nasty, oh, I I busted your engine, or I dropped an oil slick and messed with you. This is just, uh, you know, may the best racer win. We're all just trying to cross the finish line as fast as we can. Um, you know, but it's driven by this really, really beautiful dice bag building system. The, to be fair, it was inspired by another AEG game from David Short called Automobiles and this takes automobiles to the next level. It's absolutely amazing. Like I said, there are very few race games my wife and I keep on the shelves. And now that we have cubitos, there are even fewer because it's just about perfect. And it's my number four. Okay, cubitos. Let's move on now to number three. Dog Lover. Now, this is the newest game on the list. In fact, I don't think, as of the day I'm filming this uh, in December, I don't think it's actually available in stores yet. I've got an advanced copy. I believe it's going to be available uh, on store shelves and retailers in early 2022. And all I can say right now, folks, is if you are a lover of dogs, watch for this game. Uh, Both my wife and I, dogs are just about our favorite thing in the world. Star Trek or dogs? Don't make me choose. That's very difficult. Um, But anyway, uh, this is a game where we are trying to make good homes for dogs, getting them, finding strays on the street or getting them out of shelters. But it's a card drafting game. And uh, during the gameplay, when it's your turn, there's a three by three grid of tiles or uh, cards. But they, uh, you know, uh, cards. And what you're going to do is you're going to use Usually, at least at the beginning of the game, grab a, a, an entire row or an entire column from that, and the cards you're going to get are tricks you can teach your dog, um, you know, uh, personality traits that you can bring out of your dog, new dogs, uh, food that you can feed your dogs, all kinds of stuff. And over the course of the game, you are going to get a bigger and bigger collection of dogs. And the interesting thing about this game is you invest in these dogs. As you get more cards, you start, um, you know, the g- dogs develop uh, traits that allow them to kind of. Uh, become little mini set collections in and of themselves. You, you know, if you have a dog that really likes bones, you're trying to collect all the bones because you'll score more and more points. You can score bones points off the bones to begin with, or the chew toys or whatever it is, but um you know this particular dog loves them. So you make decisions about okay, do they go in the general pool? Do they go into this dog? And um you are also over time getting more and more dogs. Although the tricky thing is, I mean, if you're playing with my wife Jen, she wants to rescue all the dogs. And <laughs> it's just too much. You really want to focus because you can do incredibly well. Straight strategically in this game, only having a few dogs and really playing to their strengths. But if you do that, you're leaving yourself open because if you can't draft, you know, grabbing a row or column of cards that will help you, that can really hurt you down the road. But one of the things that's really brilliant about this game, while you start out only just grabbing a row or a column, you can teach the dogs tricks and that changes it so that later on you can grab different um, combinations or different patterns. You could grab like uh, a two by two square, or you could get like a around the corner thing, or All kinds are a checkerboard pattern. And when you start getting these, and that gives you more control over how you're going to draft the cards, then you've got really interesting decisions to make every round. It's Wonderful. The art style is very uh, light and charming and playful. The theme is really strong in this game. I mean, we tend to fall in love with every single dog we're saving. Now, this is basically a sequel to another Alderac Entertainment game called uh, Cat Lady. And Cat Lady was brilliant too. But Cat Lady was really, really lightweight. Now, a little bit too lightweight for me and Jen, so we didn't keep it. I was a bit worried the same thing would be true for Dog Lover. But this Dog Lover is so much richer. There's so much more going on from around. You have so many more things to balance that this is, while it still, I think, could work as a gateway or maybe a gateway plus game, it has enough for really hardcore game geeks like me and Jen. And then on top of that, it's just full to the brim of awesome little dogs that you will fall in love with. And that's why it's my number three of the AEG catalog, Dog Lover. Watch for it soon. Let's talk about number two, Calico. And believe me, I have no idea what's going on here that a cat-themed game uh, makes it above a dog-themed game on my list, but somehow it did this. Calico is a brilliant, brilliant design. If I recall correctly, I think it was maybe um, in the running for my number one game of the year that came, came out. And it's another example, like Cascadia, of AEG and flat-out games working together to get us some of the best gaming I've seen in years. It's, at its heart, very, very simple. Every round, you're just going to—we're trying to make a quilt that all the cats would like to curl up and take a nap on. And every turn, you're just going to grab a tile and put it somewhere on your very, very small grid of uh, of hexes. And then a new one comes out, and then the next player goes, super-duper simple. Couldn't be simpler. And yet, it is so deceptively crunchy. This game, more than just about any other we've played for the last few years, really makes us just like constantly... Oh, oh, you know, you're, you're just constantly grimacing because... I'm so close! This is so hard! There's so... Because every tile you grab and then place somewhere on your grid is so laden with consequence. First of all, each tile has, um, you know, both a pattern and a color. And you're trying to match colors, but you're also trying to match patterns. And uh, good luck if you can figure out a way to do both of those. But also, as, as part of setup, you're your little quilt was preceded with targeted um, tiles that make you want to put certain patterns around those targets. So every tile you place, and you don't get to place very many tiles in this game. It's an incredibly tight quilt you're doing. You are trying to fulfill the needs of those targets. You are trying to do effectively set collection by getting matching colors and patterns together. But you are also trying to get combos of cards together that the cats will fall in love with so that they will come and take a nap on your quilt. It is ridiculous. And actually, the brilliant thing is, I you know what played with all the features turned on. This is a super crunchy game. Incredibly fast, but incredibly challenging, rich, just you know agonizing in the best possible way. But if you want to play with novices, there are special variant rules that you, like, for, if I recall correctly, you can take out the target tiles and just makes the game simpler so you could play this with anybody. If you know somebody in your life who loves cats, or if you are just a hardcore board game geek like my wife Jen and I, and they don't hate cats, this is just about one of the perfect games. I mean, people love talking about Ticket to Ride or Carcassonne or you know all those classics as great gateways, I think all of those, um, you know, to me anyway, take a distant, um, you know, second seat to Calico because it's so simple. It's so simple. It's so deviously, fiendishly puzzly, and you could just get just about anybody up and playing it in minutes. It's fantastic. It's my number two. Somehow, it's a game about cats that beat a game about dogs. It's Calico, but my number one favorite AEG game of all time has to be Tiny Towns. Oh my goodness, this game is amazing. By the way, if you're watching, I've got Tiny Towns plus the Villagers expansion on screen right now. Uh, But just even the base game of Tiny Towns, there is so much going on like Calico before, that this is a game that just crunches you into a tiny, tight little space. In this game, a 4x4 grid, where we are placing cubes that represent stone and lumber and glass, and, uh, and we're trying to lay these cubes out in Tetris-type shapes and patterns, or patterns with color matches and all that, to build certain buildings. And we're trying desperately to put as many buildings as we can into this tiny town. The tricky thing is, you know, if I I've got to put a red and then a gray and then a blue right next to each other um, every round. Am I going to get the cubes that I want? Because there's two different ways. Actually, three different ways. But the two main ways you can play are when it, the player is the lead player, when you're the lead player, you choose um, one of the uh, cube types, and everybody has to deploy that cube type, whether they want it or not. And then the next player gets to choose a cube type. And this is brilliant. It has actually a level of cutthroatedness if you really pay attention to what your opponents want and you can pick things that you think are terrible for them that they can't use. But if you don't like that, there's also a bingo version of the game you can play where every round there's just a card that everybody deals with and then um, every couple of turns everybody gets to choose one. Whichever way you play... It's so brilliant because, in much the same way as Calico, just puts you in a vice. There's so much you want to do, and you have such a tiny, tiny footprint of where you can actually make moves. But this game has such an interesting ebb and flow, too. Because unlike most tile layers, hey, as I put more and more stuff on the board, the noose gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And I've got no place to go, and I, and I have to deal with the mistakes I made earlier and whatnot. The beautiful thing about Tiny Towns is, if you can get those cubes in the L-shaped pattern, or the two-by-two or whatever it is, then you remove all those cubes from the board. You replace one of them with a piece that represents the building. And so there's this incredible, not running out of space, but you get all the stuff in position, and then you get to clear all those cubes out and make a new building that will fill that space. And then you've got, now I've got room I can spread out again. It's brilliant. I cannot stress how many... This is in my top 50 games of all time. Tiny Towns, with good reason. Even without the expansions. But I think they've had two or three expansions come out, and it just makes the game even richer with more stuff going on. Absolutely love it. Love the presentation, too. The Tiny Towns are actually these cute little anthropomorphized villagers. And, um, yeah, it's great. I, I, I cannot stress enough just how much I love my number one um AEG game of all time, Tiny Towns. But, folks... I love them all. I, I mean, there are so many more I could talk about, but I, you know, the top 10 requires, requires demands of me that I limit it to 10 games that I absolutely love. And so those are Jens and my absolute favorite bangers from Alderac Entertainment Games, AEG. And that was the top 10, folks. Thanks very much for watching. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, bye-bye.